We solemnly swear we're up to no good. Hi, I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Laguna. And we're the hosts of Harry Potter Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. Join us as we argue about whether or not McGonagall would meow at Dumbledore. She wouldn't. As we ponder just how much Harry's fortune is worth. Just $40. As we guess how much mileage one gets out of an Ollivander wand. 100,000 jinxes. As we detail the ins and outs of Hogwarts Castle. It's only a model. Join us Monday through Friday, only from DuelingGenre.com. Mischief Managed. Dueling Genre. everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. This week we are discussing Desmond Hume and Penelope Widmore, Widmore from the episode The Constant in the TV show Lost. Oh, what a great TV show, Todd. <laughs> uh, it brought back so many memories to me um, as I was We're- watching. I watched a few episodes in to kind of get some context get going into the constant and i just was flooded with nostalgia yeah when you uh were watching were you fully down the hatch of like all the fan theories down and, the hatch. <laughs> yeah, of, of, of all the fan theories and like, like uh, trying to like try like noticing all the illusions and thinking about what that book being referenced right then meant and all of that i watched the whole thing on dvd after it had come out and so I was never like caught you watched up. Season one, after you, you missed season the zeitgeist. Five was, the zeitgeist of it. Like yeah, you watched season I missed one the whole. I missed that whole thing, over. and I was really kind of isolated. I was, uh, I was at Stanford, and I would, I checked them out from the library there, and I would just come home and watch them, and then like it, it just wasn't really a thing. I don't know if it wasn't mm. a thing anymore, or this would have been in two thousand, like two thousand eight, nine, ten, something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was so, thinking uh, about this, and I I I loved the show when it was on, and I was reading like recaps the next day and mm-hmm. talking with friends. You we were had, you were definitely like a hundred percent. Yeah, we had a, a dinner group of grad students who we we came and watched it together, and you know we uh, you know when it, when it was airing its newest episodes, and so I remember that zeitgeist so much, and I don't think I have watched any of it since then. And rewatching the constant, I was like, it brought back so much. But at the same time, there was also the knowledge, like the cultural conversation of this is gone. Like it's just moved on beyond lost mm-hmm. because so much of its popularity wasn't just the greatness of the show. And I no, still think it, it's a great it show. It was the conversation. It, it, was, it was people the, after every episode breaking down, like, oh, they referenced the, t- uh, you know, uh, the turn of the screw. Why, was, why did they talk about the turn of the screw right then? Pop culture. <laughs> yeah. In, in like in the truest sense. And I can't remember anything else that has reached that level for me. I imagine right now the closest thing would be Game of Thrones, the way I see people talk about Game of Thrones, but I'm not part mm-hmm. of that zeitgeist, so I don't feel that. Right. Um, well, but Harry it Potter. Was, well, yes, Harry Potter one's going on. But there's something special about like everyone seemingly like plugged into this thing. And I think the show, I mean, you just said you watch it on TV later. I think it's still a great show. And I, like, I look forward to like watching it again, like when my kids are older, watching it with them. But I, I know the experience is going to be so different than what I had watching it from the pilot to the finale as it aired on ABC. I yeah. have tried to like start watching some from the beginning because like, oh, I'd like to revisit Lost. Um, the like pacing of television is very different mm-hmm. now 
And so when you try to watch like the opening couple episodes, I'm like, okay, this is kind of slow. This does <laughs> not feel like they're getting anywhere. And then, I mean, and then I I'm mean, reminded, it's like, oh yeah, they didn't know where they were going. Well, it's also a criticism but, of a lot of J.J. Abrams' uh, storytelling style is yeah. that he loves to introduce mysteries and he's not, he doesn't always stick the landing of, of answering the questions that get raised so, early on. So it's a tricky experience yeah. to go back to Lost. But it was yeah. so big. Like the, I, I remember um, even there's a, uh, like a sports writer that I liked who was writing on SI and he started a lost podcast being dropped through sports illustrated because he just <laughs> wanted to talk about it so much. Um, and so like after every new episode of lost, he was like, his job was to be a sports writer and I listened to him on other sports podcasts, but he created just a lost podcast because he wanted to talk about it <laughs> because of, you know, how, how big it was to like analyze and think about the episodes after, after they aired. Yeah. Well, we are talking about The Constant, which is the fifth episode from the fourth season of Lost. And it was written by Car- Carlton Cuse and David Lindelof, who were the showrunners for, for Lost. Um, and it was directed by Jack Bender, who directed many episodes of Lost. And Desmond Hume is played by Henry Ian Cusick. And Penelope Widmore is played by Sonia Walger, I think. It's W-A-L-G-E-R, so maybe it's a soft G, Walger. I'm not 100% sure on that. And this episode originally aired on February 28th, 2008. And it tells the story of Desmond Hume, uh, who I'm not even going to go through like all the mythology of Lost Who is. Like, just know in this episode, he gets kind of unstuck in time and his consciousness drifts back and forth. Well, like his young <laughs> consciousness comes to the present of eight years ago. And so in our present time, when there's all this weirdness on Lost, which was... Uh, you know, the TV show about mysteries on the island and there were these warring groups and factions and there's a hatch and there's a freighter and all these other things. And Desmond Hume is one of the key players on this. All of a sudden, he can't remember any of that. And he just thinks like like he, we, we keep flashing back to him in 2000 uh, or in uh, 1996. What, 1996 and 2004. Yeah, on the show, it's 2004, even on this air in 2008. They didn't advance time chronologically uh, within the show. So it's 2004 in the show, and he keeps having flashbacks to 1996. And when he comes back to 2004, he only has the last memories he had from 1996. He doesn't have anything from the interim in between, which is stressful. And yeah. and causes some some issues, which is stressful. <laughs> yeah, it is a little stressful. Poor, I mean, particularly when you know he's being told, "Well, you are on an island, and you've been living in a hatch for years, and <laughs> all these." Like he's had a crazy life in those eight years. That it will be a lot to try and catch up on. Yeah. All right. Uh, some trivia about this. I well, my first comment on the trivia was like just the zeitgeist. Like I, I was so put back just watching um the this episode again, and I even like went back to some of the articles I remember from the time and like looked up what they were saying about it at the time. And this was so much a part of my experience with Lost that I can't like separate that hmm. cultural moment and that nostalgia from from rewatching the episode today. Um, now the episode The Constant is a fan favorite, and it is. A favorite of a lot of people so um well and also i guess the show itself still um kind of has its place even though some people were upset and didn't feel like it stuck its landing of explaining all the mysteries that were introduced throughout the show's run it's still recognized as like one of the hallmark uh you know landmark series of this century of television so a couple bits of trivia to hold that up in april of 2018 so this year business insider ranked the 25 best pilots of the century anyone want to guess where lost was (laughs) 
top five for sure. Top three. It was number one. It was, it was considered. Like, the, I, I, it's hard to think yeah. that it wasn't number one. It's considered the number one pilot of this century, uh, uh, you know, so from 2000 on. Uh, in April 2018, IndieWire did their own list of the 25 best pilots of uh, television this century, and Lost was number one on that list. And in July 2018, the website Film, Film School Rejects ranked the 50 best pilots of the century, and Lost was number one on that list. Like, everyone's kind of like, well, okay, even if, we're, <laughs> if, we, if we don't like how the, everything got wrapped up, we all have to, like, tip our cap to the brilliance of the pilot of Lost. And also, uh, last month at the time of this recording, in July of 2018, uh, the website The Ringer, which is a sports and pop culture website, ranked the best episodes of television this century. So not just pilots, but, like, all episodes. And the constant, this episode we're talking about, was number one on their list of television episodes this century. They did only allow, I think, one episode per show. Yes, so, so like, to prevent... Breaking Bad couldn't sweep the, the yes. top... You know, couldn't couldn't have three or, of the top or, or they didn't like if they put in the constant, they couldn't have the pilot of Lost. Yeah. And if they so they had to settle. This is the best episode of Lost that we want to put in, and it was put in at number one, and it of came the in list. at number one. Yeah, which I've not heard any criticism on that choice. Um, overall, I've heard a couple <laughs> different <laughs> podcasts talk about it, uh-huh. and nobody came at the constant. Like everyone's like, okay, but like there's some nits to pick somewhere else on the list for a yeah. lot of people, but like um, this one's pretty, like pretty solid, pretty yeah. solid. Um, the showrunners Cuse and Littleoff, uh, so they they were showrunners for the entirety of Lost, and they've said that this is their favorite episode. And most episodes of Lost took two weeks to break and write the script for, so two weeks of breaking down the plot and and fully scripting it out. Uh, you want to guess how long the constant took to break down the script? And yeah, so to break the plot and then write the full script for the most. They said most was two. That was definitely their average. Was was every two weeks they were getting a new full script produced. I don't know, wow. five weeks. So more than twice as long, five weeks for them to break. I mean, it's a tough one. Yeah. Um, And the way time travel is used in the episode was in part inspired by Star Trek, the next generation, uh, the episode, all good things. When uh, Picard kind of bounces between three timelines, his younger self is uh, the one we know. And then his older self as well. Um, One thing we get Desmond who he has long, luscious locks and a full beard on lost because he's been living on this island for a while. Yeah. And uh, when we get to the flashbacks of him in 1996, he is in the Scottish military and he's got a small, you know, tight military cut and he's clean shaven. So how did they do that? They put his long hair under a skull cap and put a short wig on top of that. So they didn't cut his hair for the episode. They just tightly wound up his long hair and did a, a wig rather than doing I a long wig. I was wondering how they did that. I wonder if it gave him just a massive headache. It had to be so tight, I'm sure. And they even said for the beard, if for the next couple episodes, he does have um, a fake beard added on. But to help speed the process, they didn't even do clean shaven, even though he looks clean shaven. They, well, not quite clean. Yeah, but they went down to, to stubble and they did makeup over it to make it look like it's just barely like five <laughs> o'clock shadow. Which, I mean, this is impressive stuff, like like top notch wig work. And yeah. I did not know they could do that to a beard. Um. Uh, Lost as a series, as we've kind of always hinted, was hyper-referential, like dropping names of books or movies or authors and fans would go and lap those up and try and like be like it made books like have resurgence of popularity when it was referenced on Lost um, when the show was airing. This episode is a bit light on those. Some of the other episodes definitely have more references, um, but a few that um, you can spot uh with varying degrees of like saying oh well that one's obvious to that's a stretch to say this is what that was uh desmond when he's unmoored in time he needs a constant something that will like call him back home and help him write himself his it is the love of his life whose name is penelope and that seems to be pretty obviously a reference to odysseus and the odyssey um at least 
that I, I I looked into it. And I saw some people saying it, and some sites had no reference to that at all. But to me, I'm like that. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, he's lost on an island and trying to get Hello? you know. Yeah, so that goes back to like yeah. his his early episodes, not this episode specifically. Well, I think like just, Pen- Penny was established before. Yeah, but I just think the name is clearly uh, is, is an, an Odyssey reference. Uh, there's a scene in his flashbacks of an auction, and uh, there's a certain item that gets sold that's significant for Lost within itself. But the next thing that they say is coming up on the auction block is some of Charles Dickens' personal belongings, which that's not. I don't think saying anything specific about this episode. Uh, other than maybe Christmas Carol is kind of one of the first time travel stories, but Desmond Hume is in loves Dickens just as a character. It may just be a nod to his character, always loving Charles Dickens. Um, and um, I can't find any confirmation that this one is deliberate, but a few different sites had this one identified that in the military flashbacks, Desmond talks to a friend named Billy. And in Slaughterhouse Five, the main character's name is Billy. And chapter two begins with the quote, listen, Billy Pilgrim has become unstuck in time. So some people think <laughs> the name Billy was just a reference to the unstuck in time nature of this. Seems like well, that's a that's a a strong read on that. <laughs> yes. I would not have pulled that out ever. Just the fact life. that yeah, just from the one name, like the the phrase unstuck in time, which you're like okay, but like just the friend having that name, I don't know. That one might be a stretch for me. Technically, I, I think this is the good. first. I think it's a pretty good uh, catch for who I mean whoever yes, yeah that. yeah, yeah, yeah well, whoever got that yeah <laughs> yes um technically this is actually the first episode of the series that does not use the flashback frame but a framework of lost that it was famous for which huh. feels weird to say but <laughs> typically there's, there's lost, no flashbacks it's all time travel yes it's, and it's all in his point of view like yeah, this is this is linear for Desmond yeah. like like the flashbacks are linear for him so the way lost was typically structured for anyone who didn't who hasn't seen an episode you would have the main storyline of the people who are lost on this island and then every episode focused on a different character and you saw flashbacks to their life before or eventually in the series there's a turn where you see flash forwards to their life after um but there was always two timelines present in an episode and this is the only i think it's the only one entirely of the entire series but certainly the first one where it's actually told linearly it's just because there's time travel involved with Desmond's consciousness. We don't think of it that way. Um, and then uh, let's see, this episode was nominated for a Hugo award. And then to the last bit of trivia that I want to share lost fans really loved searching for number symbolism or um, also anagrams of words to discover hidden meanings in the show. And so the most prominent, prominent recurring numbers in lost are from, I think it's the Valanchetti equation and it's four, eight, 15, 16, 16 23, 42. 42. These never, never forget those numbers are, all over the show uh, like both like very explicitly being said and then hidden so for example in this episode oh they're in this one yeah desmond's consciousness is slipping back and forth in time a period of eight years so you get eight the helicopter's call number is n842 so 842 is uh, eight is in there and 42 is the last one uh desmond's military unit is given four minutes instead of the usual eight to get ready when they're being punished so mm-hmm. four and eight um penny's address is uh 423 so 4 and 23 the auction lot number we see being bid on is 2342 those are the last two numbers of the sequence um and those are also the numbers that faraday uses to make an adjustment in his experiment on the radiation levels <laughs> that's what he's told he has to nice. switch it to and then uh outside get of the, numbers, the number 15 um uh, 15 and 16 seem to be lacking there was something that someone said the, the 15 was a stretch for me uh and so i didn't even put it in but i think it was at a certain point he passes out and Faraday says to him, like in the past, he passes out and there's this mathematician with him. And, and he says, you were passed out for 75 minutes here. How long did it seem to you there? I can't remember the exact number they, they, that he says, but if you divide that, it's 15. <laughs> okay. He says yeah. five. 
think he says divide. five. Yeah, yeah, 75 divided. Yeah, so so 50. Yeah, is it okay. 75? I, was, I wasn't sure I'd said the first number right. All right. But that one's a stretch to me, but that's where they found the 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and a potential anagram spotted by fans. And again, this is one where I'm like, I don't know if it's real, if this was like delivered by the producers, but I accept it, is that the auction house that Desmond visits in his flashback is called Southfields. And if you mix up those letters, you can make Shifted Soul. <laughs> that's... Again, I don't know necessary. that that one was deliberate, but... <laughs> But it made me smile when I read it. Where I'm like, oh, are you stretching too far? Maybe, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, but it is Lost that we're talking about. Like, can you ever go really too far with Lost? I mean, it's just bananas. Yes, exactly. Like, Probably not. <laughs> well, in the way that, again, like both the referentiality within the storyline they're telling and to everything else, like I accept basically all of these explanations. Like, oh, they're doing this. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I believe it. Uh, um, I was reading... I have a book called Literary Lost, which is an academic book looking at all the references for Lost and like the themes. And well, the, maybe not all. Well, yes, <laughs> many of them. Uh, but they reference like casually at the beginning, like uh, their literary consultant, like they had someone they want to like, would go to. They're like, these are some of the themes of this episode. What ref- what work should we ref- reference? And that person would like guide them to hmm. what names to drop. All right. Uh, before we move on to Todd's long summary, listeners, we want to thank each and every one of you for listening to this episode, and especially thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers and give most uh, give monthly updates on our fantasy box office. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. And I will just say, there's one patron who recently came on at that level, and we're going to have to write out through Todd's last picks before we get to your selection. But we will definitely be doing your selection. All right. Okay, you ready for this? Yes. uh, Hit me with the time travel summary, which time travel is always a tricky thing to summarize. Well, um, so preamble is... The preamble is longer than, I mean, almost longer than, than the actual <laughs> summary of the thing. So before I start in, uh, you have to know a few things about Lost. And I'm going to try to not div, di- dive too deep into everything that goes on in Lost. Um, <laughs> I feel like there are a few things that you, that you need to understand. Um, but really, as I was thinking about this, this is a pretty great episode for us to pick because I feel like we don't really spoil that much. Um, and so, so here we go. Number one, there are a bunch of people stuck on an island, and lots of crazy things have been happening on the island. Number two, one of those people's name is Desmond. Number three, he has a girlfriend named Penny, uh, who is not on the island, but she, it, we, we, we think that she has been looking for Desmond. Number four, some people, uh, one of them is a physicist who's named Daniel Faraday, uh, so they have come to the island on a helicopter that they flew in from a freighter. The freighter is like 40 miles off the coast of the island. And Jack, who is the leader of the people that are stuck on the island, he thinks Faraday and the others from the freighter are there to rescue them. Uh, but while Daniel seems nice, it's pretty clear that they are not on a rescue mission. So, uh, And then there's a guy named Saeed, who is Desmond's friend. And Desmond and Saeed are good guys. And they're on this helicopter, the, the helicopter that came in that brought uh, Charlotte and Daniel and some other people into the island. Now, they're on that helicopter flying back out to the freighter. And the pilot of that helicopter is called Frank. And before they left in the helicopter, Dan, 
who's the physicist, he told Frank that he had to stay on a specific heading or bad things would happen. And so that gets us caught up to this episode. Did, did, did I miss anything? I think that's a good basic premise. And just okay. know it's all so much crazier than he's just, just described. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so Said and Desmond are riding in this helicopter and um, and Frank is flying and they go straight into a thunderstorm. And Desmond has a picture of Penelope, uh, who we have been told does not know about this boat. So at first there was they were under the impression that this that Penelope was on the boat. And then we found out uh, later that Penelope does not know anything about this boat. So the boat is kind of mysterious and uh, possibly uh, dangerous. So the turbulence gets really bad and Frank is having a hard time keeping his bearing. And then Desmond snaps awake, So, uh, and he is in a military barracks, and he's a soldier, and he's clean cut, and he looks very confused. And the drill sergeant is yelling at him for a bit, and then he wakes up again, and he's back in the helicopter, but he can't remember anything from the time of the island. So now his consciousness from when he was in the military barracks is the one that is now with him in the boat. And every time he snaps back to being in the boat, uh, he does not remember who he is. Uh, I mean, he, he doesn't remember anything that's happened between when he was in the military barracks and wh- where he is now. So back on the beach, Jack and his friend Juliet ask Dan why Said and Desmond have, uh, haven't made contact yet since they've been gone for nearly a day. Uh, and Dan tells Juliet and Jack that their perception of time is different on the island. So there's something strange about this island that makes your perception of time different than if you were, if you were in the out, out, outside world. I mean, any uh, so watcher the hel- of the show was already on board with the fact that there's something strange about this island, but I think the time dilation thing is a new one. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, there's polar bears on the island, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on. <laughs> so, uh, there's a giant smoke monster that kills people, and yeah. So the helicopter reaches the freighter, and Desmond is completely confused, and so some big shady guys come, and they take Desmond down to a medical bay. And then he snaps back, and now he's a soldier. And he tells one of his soldier friends uh, that he went away in his mind. And his friend asks him if he knew anyone in the dream. And then he remembers that he had in his dream uh, this photo of Penny. And then he snaps back, and now he's at the boat. And they lock him in the medical bay, and there's another crazy guy in there. His name is Minkowski. Uh, Said asks Frank, the pilot, what's going on. And Frank says he doesn't really know for sure. And then Said calls Jack with Frank's phone. So they have these satellite phones that allow them to, to, to call from the island to the freighter. And, uh, and Said tells Jack about Desmond. And then uh, Dan is there. And he says that some people, when they make the trip back and forth between the island and the freighter, they can become confused. So then this, this doctor on the freighter, he comes into the medical bay and he gives the, the other crazy guy, Minkowski, um, he gives him a shot to, to calm him down. And then the, the doctor says um, that he wants to help. Just real quick, uh, Mankowski is played by Fisher Stevens, and he, he does a great crazy. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's good. So then Desmond snaps back to the military, and he goes into a phone booth, and he calls uh, Penny, who is his girlfriend. And he tells her he's confused, and he needs to see her. And she says, you broke up with me, and... I don't want anything to do with you, and I've moved, so don't try to find me. Uh, and then he snaps back to the boat, and Said and Frank, uh, they break their way into the sick bay, and they give Desmond the phone, because so Dan is on the other line, at the other end of the line, and he says, I need to talk to Desmond. Uh, 
And then he asks Desmond where and when he is. And he tells him, I'm in the UK and it's 1996. And Dan tells him, the next time you snap back to 1996, uh, you need to go to Oxford and you need to find me, Dan, there. And then he says uh, to tell him, Dan, uh, to set the device at 2342 and 11 hertz. And then he's supposed to tell Dan, he says, if, if I don't believe you when you talk to me, then tell me that you know about Eloise. So then Desmond snaps back to 1996 and he goes to Oxford and he finds Dan. And he says he thinks he's been to the future. And Dan thinks it's a prank, uh, but then um, but then Desmond tells him about the numbers and about Eloise, and and Dan is convinced. So they go to this lab, and uh, and Dan shoots a beam of light at a rat named Eloise, uh, and he's trying to unstick her from time. And then the rat runs through a maze, and Daniel says it, it proves that the rat traveled through time. So this rat, uh, an hour before uh, Dan had built the maze. So the rat hasn't, hasn't had any practice, um, but it's able to go through the maze first time, no problem, which proves that the rat, uh, its consciousness went forward in time to a time when it knew the maze and then it snapped back. So uh, now Desmond snaps back to the boat and the other crazy guy in the room, Minkowski, he says he used to be the communications officer on the, bo on the boat and every day they would get a phone call that they were instructed never to answer and it came from Desmond's girlfriend, Penny. Now he snaps back to off Oxford and uh, he's been out, and he 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 looks down, and uh, Eloise the rat is dead, and Desmond is worried now that he might die as well. And Dan says that time travel is chaotic, uh, and Desmond needs a constant. He needs to find something in the future that he really really cares about that exists in both places. And Desmond wants his constant to be Penny. So we snap back to the boat, and uh, he says, "I need to call Penny," but the communication. Uh, with the mainland has been sabotaged. So they have a phone that they can use to call the mainland, but um, somebody's cut all the lines. And uh, Minkowski, the other crazy guy, he knows about the equipment. Um, and then somebody has left the door open for them. So they just sort of sneak out of the medical bay and they go find this communications room. Then we snap back to the past and Desmond goes to this fancy auction and there's a guy there named Widmore and it's Penny's dad. And Desmond wants Penny's dad to help him find Penny. Uh, and Mr. Widmore does not like Desmond, but he gives him, uh, Penny's address mostly because he's pretty sure that Penny's going to totally reject him again. And he kind of wants to see that, wants that to happen. So now we snap back to the present and the changes are happening faster. And Minkowski is not looking well at all. <laughs> and he tells him how, uh, he and another guy took a dinghy, uh, and they tried to get to the Island, but then the other guy went crazy. And now, uh, Minkowski dies. And Desmond starts to get a bloody nose, which, um, you know, bleeding from your nose or your ears or your eyes are really, if you're in a movie and you start bleeding from your nose, I mean, if you're at home and your, your kid punches you in the nose and you're bleeding, you're probably fine. But if you're ever in a movie and your nose starts bleeding, it's probably because your brain is turning to mush. Uh, so Saeed says he can fix the radio, but he needs time. And uh, he also needs Penny's phone number which Desmond can't remember. So now we snap back to 1996 and Desmond goes to Penny's house and she says, I don't want anything to do with you. And he says, you have to listen to me. Um, and so she lets him in and he tells her, I'm going to call you in eight years. And he says, I promise you, if you'll just tell me your phone number, uh, your new phone number, I won't call you for eight years. I'll call you on Christmas Eve in eight years. So she gives him the number 
and he tries to memorize it. And then he says, don't, whatever you do, don't change your, change your number for the next eight years. And then we snap back to, to the present and he, he remembers the number. He gives the number to Saeed. Saeed makes the phone call and there's only a little bit of battery left on the phone. So Desmond calls and she answers. And now he's snapping back and forth between, uh, between these two times. And he's so happy, happy that she's answered. And she asks where he is and he remembers. And he says, I'm on this island. And she says, I've been looking for you. I've been looking for you for three years. And uh, she says, I know about the island. And he says, I, uh, I love you and I always have. And then uh, they're crying and she tells him, I love you. And then she says, I will find you. And then the, and then the phone line cuts. And Desmond remembers everything. He says, it was enough. I'm okay. And then back on the beach, Dan is looking through his journal and he finds a note that he wrote to himself at some point, probably eight years previous. And it says, if anything goes wrong, Desmond Hume will be my constant. And that's the end. So good. Such a great episode of television. Oh, I feel like Lost, because of frustration some people had with the finale, has become underrated (laughs) at this point. Even though they just read every list saying, well, the pilot is the best pilot in his, you know, in this century television. (laughs) I think as a whole, we've kind of, and also because maybe that zeitgeist was so much a part of the identity of Lost, Mm -hmm. and we've definitely Mm -hmm. moved out from that. But I think how skillfully told the story was, you know, in these these episodes, it's kind of been been underrated. People got so upset about a lack of payoff for early mysteries that they forget, like, but like this is engaging television and it's yeah it's well made yeah and, like, and, like, like you can enjoy how, the mystery all the way through even yeah. if you don't feel every button getting snapped at the end yeah these guys know how to write an episode yeah um one thing so I, I watched this and I was like thinking about it a lot and I had some ideas of what I wanted to say and then I went and read what they wrote about it on the ringer when they had a little thing about every episode I thought oh well they just said everything I was kind of heading towards <laughs> so I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm going to read. So uh, they've got a section for every episode they wrote about in their 100 greatest episodes. Um, They they got a little summary and what's the episode's most iconic moment, which for them, it's the phone call at the end. Obviously. Yeah, definitely. It's got to be that because like you, that's all that this is for is building up for that emotional payoff. Yeah. Of like she waited eight years with the phone and ah. And then they have the question, how does this episode influence the future television? And they've got a little bit about Lost in general. And then they talk about the constant and this is what they said. And I'm just going to read this direct quote. This is written by Mallory Rubin, who is a good writer over on The Ringer. Um, also a good podcast. Good podcast, too. Yeah. And it says, um, the testament or, or the constant stands as a testament to the power of myth-making and world-building, of trusting the viewer to trace every thread of an arc, even when the characters cannot. But it also functions shockingly well as an isolated act capable of serving as a treatise on the power of love, even if you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the show's ever-expanding mythology. The constant proved that the best episodes of television can simultaneously fortify the series' mythology and be appreciated independently, unshackled from endgame speculation. Desmond and Penny's love story reminded us that the most rewarding 20th century viewing experience can give us message board fodder while also allowing us to appreciate the work free from that from the theories and well actually that dictates so much tv discourse these days <laughs> the message of the constants like its protagonist is timeless the puzzle may be fun but heart will always be the heart and uh yeah like when they chose this episode and this is one that i think we ref- first referenced on the episode uh, on on the protagonist podcast way back in the first year when we did a valentine's day special i think i chose desmond and penny as penny. <laughs> one of the uh oh. the, the the greatest couples love, love characters or, or love couples on in storytelling um i think the constant stands out from all of lost as one of the best ex- episodes of like okay things are gonna get crazy 
we are going to acknowledge all the myth building, but also I think you can follow the love story of these characters. And even though there's crazy time travel, unmooring, unhinging of time and his consciousness is bouncing back and forth, he needs to find his constant love. And that's, what's going to save him. Mm-hmm. And that simplicity still still holds up, you know, isolated from all the the intricate webbing of references that Lost did through its uh, six years, I think. I feel like they generate something, like, so powerful just with, like, the constant as a concept. Because I remember watching this roughly when it came out and thinking, like, okay, who's my constant? <laughs> like, like, what is my constant? I, you, I've got to think about something that's important to me now. And was important to me in the past if things go that way or will be important to me in the future. And it's a really powerful thing to think about. I think they like really generated something worthwhile. Well, and, and within the episode, like just looking at this as this hour and not all of Lost with, you know, the spiritual mythology of the island and everything. And, this, you know, the blend of science versus spiritualism and all these other things that it does within this hour. Like they create a new problem that we haven't seen before of him being unhinged in time right mm-hmm. his, his mind's gonna be slipping back forth they establish the stakes because you see the rat die and you see murkowski die uh and they establish the solution and what he needs and he has to work on both timelines uh, you know there's tension in both timelines is he gonna be able to find penny in the past to tell her that i'm gonna reach you mm-hmm. is he gonna be able to find and, and get her phone number and is Saeed gonna be able to fix the phone in time and i mean of course i can fix the phone well yeah Saeed, i mean come on <laughs> he can, he can <laughs> make a communication him. device out of anything <laughs> yeah give him some bailing wire and chewing gum and he will invent something that's gonna solve the need of that episode <laughs> um but uh you know is the, the crew of the freighter gonna stop him? so you get tension in both timelines and then you get the wonderful resolution, which is so emotionally satisfying when he gets her on the phone. Um, and, you know, they say each other's names and, you know, she says, I will find you. You know, it, it's so great, um, you know, that it builds all that. And all of that is contained within the 44 minutes that they have within this. Like all those which stakes, is amazing. stakes are established and overcome um, in a satisfying way. And none of it feels um, just exposition-y. Mm-hmm. It all feels meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, so I have... um. I have a, a couple of thoughts. One is, um, I think part, so there, there is the self-contained nature of this thing that the story just works as a story, um, which is really, I'm just really grateful for it because I don't know that we could have picked another episode other than the pilot <laughs> in which we would. <laughs> yeah. Or so one other episode that I really, really like is, is it called butterfly? The moth, the one where Charlie, the moth, yeah, that was the, um, that's my other favorite episode of Lost. Yeah, I really like that episode a lot, and it's very early on in the and so I, I think we could have done um, the Moth easily. That was my backup uh, pick, actually. If we for, weren't for, an episode for Lost, Moth. if we weren't going to do the constant, it was going to be the Moth. Yeah, we probably could have. I mean, theoretically, we could have done them both, but maybe I'll come back some some other day and we'll do <laughs> the Moth. But um, if you ever do the Moth, I'd like to come on and talk about it. <clears throat> uh, but then. There's also, I mean, this is now the fourth season, so it's been four years, and there's just this relief when, I mean, I think for us as an audience that have been hoping that somebody will have some kind of contact, and for that to happen, I, I think is really satisfying, and, and again, <laughs> they're playing with both frames, right? The, the frame inside of the story, but then this this larger mythos, right, or... uh long arc that they've been doing and it's such a payoff finally because they i mean they've tried so many times to get off the island try with the submarine they try with walt's boat um 
they I mean they just try and try and try to get anything any kind of contact with anybody off the island and it's just constantly they're frustrated and so for for this to happen it's a big deal it's a really big deal after 4 years for for this to happen um and then to see it inside of the story is great and then the other thing uh, is that uh, it's called the constant and the first time that he talks to penny <laughs> He's broken up with her, right? Yeah, well, I, like and so much work is done in that, in that phone call when he just says Penny, and like as viewers, you know, he's had this picture of Penny. He's talked about Penny, uh, and he's like, "Oh, he's calling Penny." And uh, isn't her first line, "What are you doing, Desmond?" <laughs> yeah, and like her tone of voice just says so much about, "Oh, this is not <laughs> in a good place right now." Yeah, so I I really don't understand how time travel works because. <laughs> I don't understand how time travel works. <laughs> um, like, has now Desmond's timeline been changed or something? Because well, like, it's not clear if he was going to have like, did he and Penny get back together after that he gave her this desperate speech about the phone number? <laughs> like in the past, yeah. Like, did they have any more interactions, or did he go get lost onto the well, island? Because we know the story of like how he was doing like a, a sailing around the world kind mm-hmm. of race and he and Penny had some connections. And so like his conversation about, I'm not going to call you for eight years had, I think not happened in that version of the timeline. So I think it generates like an alternate timeline or it I modifies because the, the producers were, uh, cause I listened to the commentary. Yeah. So I don't like know. They, the they talked is. very much that like, um, particularly like these, like going and meeting Faraday, that's a new event in his past. Like, yeah, because but, uh, he doesn't but, remember these. But things. nothing can change the future. How do they say it? Like, like um, we, we're not trying to create a Pandora's box of time travel. We're like, oh, we're going to go undo people getting lost on the island. Mm-hmm. Like we we still very carefully said, okay, maybe he never visited Faraday before. Maybe he did because time travel is weird. But this is not going to undo him being on the island in any way. Right. right. So so his. I don't know which one we want to call the present or the future or the past. Go clean shaven or bearded. So, <laughs> so bearded Desmond, like there's no way for him to not end up on the Island. Mm-hmm. All he can do is gain information and kind of like set up some stakes that he can respond to as bearded Desmond. So as, as shaved Desmond, he can only manipulate what he can respond to in the future it, it, as bearded. Desmond. Like he can set up a long game. Yeah. <laughs> he can, he can set up a phone call an eight year disparate phone call that otherwise would not have been set up yeah, because that's not what the past was structured as like bearded Desmond, even before the time travel happened, he had no memories of these things. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't have happened if he hadn't been unstuck from time. Um, yeah, but I, I can't remember. I know Penny, obviously like, we see more of Penny in the show and I don't remember yeah. exactly what we see of her, but for Faraday, like he, when he, when Desmond he talks to him in the past, the well, no, he, when he talks to him in the past, he's like, so I should remember this, but I don't. Uh, but when we, we find out the one on the Island has memory issues. Like he, he's still brilliant, but he, yeah. he, uh-huh. he has a very splotchy memory uh, because, because of possibly because of radiation, because of the experiments that he's been running. Yes. Yes. Right. So they take care of that one, uh, you know, that interaction. And I, I really like how they set that up because he puts on like a, a lead vest when he's about to radiate the rat. And Desmond's like, do I need one of those? He's like, no, it's for extended exposure. I do this like 20, 30 times a day. He's like, 
what about your head? What about your head? Yeah, he, he just says, what about your head? And Faraday kind of like thinks about it for a second, but then just keeps going with what he's doing. And so it's like, yeah. obviously like, oh, that that's what happened. Yes. So, uh, anyway, I, I, I don't know that there are great answers for this. Uh, time travel is super hard to do. <laughs> We've tried to cover it a few times in stories on this podcast. And it's there's a point where you just got to say, as a viewer, I'm suspending some of my disbelief about the mechanics and what this would actually do yeah. in timelines. Yeah, totally. But the, I mean, the thing that's interesting to me is that he's breaking up with her. I mean, he has broken up with her. And joined and, the army. And joined the army. And th- th- this this relationship that is supposed to be so constant is like in the very first instance uh, unconstant, right? Like It's, it's broken. <laughs> it's changing and it's broken. And um, – I I just I'm really interested in this idea and I don't I don't really know um how to explain it very well. So light, right? We talk about light as being both a particle and a wave. Mm-hmm. And that it really is just it's both of those things, right? It's uh it's it's simultaneously constant and yet ever changing is is one way that I think about that. Um and there's often this debate about reality and is is the the essence of reality constant or is it is it changing all the time and i feel like it's kind of both of those things <laughs> that it's both a it's both it's both particle and a wave that there is something constant and that there is something that's always changing and that that's just it's just the way that we have to deal with <laughs> it, it's it's what it is and um and i think that our brains are designed in a way that allows us to deal with both both of those aspects of reality and and i think one of the things that i see in this episode is that that is true in our relationships that there is something about our relationships that's always changing and yet there's always there there is also something that remains constant throughout and it's it's not kind of one thing and kind of the other. It's absolutely one thing and absolutely the other. So, I don't know. No, I I liked that that way of explaining it. Um, and when it comes to Desmond and Penny, so he does. I'm just trying to like I'm getting pieces of the backstory back. And like why? How would they do the concept? So he does the. He's trying to sail around the world to do prove something to her dad. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I'm remembering this part accurately. It's been. So many years since I watched this. I mean, I, this just yeah, watching the constant me made me want to go rewatch the entire series. I could do this. I could make out the whole series. I'm trying to write a book on Cheers, but I could watch all of Lost on mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. at the same time. So there's like the sailing around the world. Uh, but yeah, he's trying. But like he, he meets Jack at one point. Yeah, but he's trying to prove something to her, to her dad. And I think at that point, he and Penny are back together, aren't they? They are. So at that point, it's more of an issue with her dad. Yeah, and I, so I think. After there's this crazy conversation where he bangs on her door and says, in eight years, I'm going to call you on Christmas Eve. They must get back together before. But but when they tell us those backstory things about him and Penny, this banging on the door had never happened. Right. I think. So I don't remember how how all these revelations happen. happen Yeah. In the different um, past. But I don't think we can worry about it. I don't know that there's a great answer for that. Yeah. Somehow everybody just doesn't remember that day. Of Desmond's life. Well, no, she does because she's waiting by the phone. But I mean, I mean, they don't remember it until it matters again. They don't remember it when he's about to do his sailing around the world. Because at that point, she's still waiting for his phone call for eight years. Mm. 
And so somehow it's like, okay, but is she waiting anyway? Or like, does it click into place after he disappears? She's like, but no, he said he was going to call on this day. I'm going to believe that anyway, even though we haven't talked about the fact that he knocked on my door and said all this all crazy right, stuff. Guys, pause. I need to go rewatch all six seasons. And I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> so is it possible? How does this sound? Is it possible that um, I'll say timeline A, timeline B. So timeline A is Desmond's original timeline. Timeline B is going to be Desmond's timeline after what we've what we see in this episode so in timeline a uh they break up he goes into the military and at some point he patches things up with her and then he goes on his sailing thing around the world and then he gets stuck on the island in timeline b he uh he goes crazy and he goes and he bangs on her door and he says i won't call you for eight years and she thinks that this is kind of charming and then they get back together maybe (laughs) maybe because of that or because of some other reason maybe the same reason that eventually they got back together in timeline A, they get back together again. And he says, Oh, I'm gonna go sailing around the world. And she's like, Oh, great. And then he sails around the world. And then he's lost. And then she remembers in timeline B. She remembers that he had said that he was going to call her in eight years. And so for three years, she's looking for him. But then he calls her in timeline B. And timeline A I don't know what happens. Well, or, or or this becomes their <laughs> meet, meet. I feel cute like I was really going somewhere, and then it just kind of fell apart. <laughs> this just becomes their meet cute of how they got back, get back together, and and the timeline, the Desmond in the past really just kind of forgets about the freighter thing. He's like, I don't know why it's banging on your door. I must have missed you. I might, it's probably drunk. It's probably drunk. Uh, and and that's why I banged on your door. But uh, whatever, it got us back together. We started talking again. Now everything's great. I'm going to impress your dad by sailing around the world. But she's still got kind of filed away. He said eight years. I don't know how drunk he was. I'm just going to wait. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, it doesn't work for me. Like, I can't make it make sense. The only way it works is like just as this episode and it's like all of the time travel stuff <laughs> just actually is erased, except for the fact that all of it works out the way that he set it up to work out. I, I like it, it can't affect anything else except like this one day and then they all have to forget it until that one other day when what a testament to the power of storytelling and the power of an emotional moment that phone call (laughs) this whole thing is a build-up to that to that phone call Mm -hmm. that there could be such a problematic mechanical element to this story like like this is not the cleanest time travel it's (laughs) and yet it becomes considered one of the greatest episodes of television of all time mm-hmm. with this like huge glaring hole in the middle. That's like, I don't know how to make sense yeah, of that. This, Do this you? I don't know that just, anybody this does. Time travel doesn't work. And maybe part of it is because it's not a physical time travel. It's all like mental. His consciousness. And so uh-huh. maybe we're saying it's like, Hey, when it comes to the consciousness, you're not bound by mm-hmm. like actually having to go through all of the other steps that otherwise happened in the course of those eight years. I think it was and in the just, commentary. It becomes conscious when it's relevant and yeah. it's and it's subconscious all the rest of the time. And so she somehow remembers to not get rid of that phone number. Mm-hmm. And then on Christmas Eve, she's like, Desmond's going to call me today. I know it. And somehow I've always known it. And I don't know well, why she's I've been looking for it the whole time. So, yeah. She, she, yeah, but there's no logical reason why she would forget that conversation I don't think that she, she had with that. him. But 
then it doesn't work with the other conversations they have in the intervening eight years. Unless it's just one of those That's weird why, moments you What I'm right. saying is, I don't think, what I'm saying is, I don't think that there's a great explanation for this. Yeah. I think that it's kind of broken. I think that this, that this thing, mechanically, I don't think it works because I don't think time travel is a real thing <laughs> that we know of. I mean, Stephen Hawking, yeah. he tried it, right? Well, yeah, he had the party. He, he had the party and nobody showed up. Uh, explain so, that for listeners who are unaware of Stephen Hawking's little prank on I think, time travel. I think, you, uh, I think you talked about it before. Well, I, I'm sure not anyway. every listener has heard every episode. Yeah, there's, there was a Netflix, uh, a series on Netflix that was, I think it was narrated by Stephen Hawking. And it was about uh, time and uh, physics and the universe and stuff. And uh, there was a, a portion of it where he was talking about time travel. And he says, as far as he knows... As far as humanity has gotten into the future, they have not been able to come uh, discover time travel because because um, he organized a party for time travelers, and he said, he sent out this I don't know yeah, he sent out he an invitation out that said, if you're a time yeah if you're a time traveler then come to my party and nobody showed up <laughs> at his party and and so so he knows that. Uh, where, wherever humanity is uh, in in the timeline, however far we've pushed forward into the, whatever the future is, uh, we still haven't discovered time travel, or, but, or at least haven't discovered I mean, that invitation. All right, I don't know what this means exactly, <laughs> but uh, I think it was on the commentary. One of the producers said they they talked with someone who studies time, and they said like this consciousness consciousness shifting is the most plausible explanation of time travel they've ever heard. We're like, that one's not violating anything <laughs> to send your own consciousness back. Whereas physically sending someone back violates lots of things, but this is the consciousness shifting. They're like, we couldn't make it work, but that's like, as far yeah. as flaws in time travel, like this, this is uh, as close as we can get to in storytelling to saying, yeah, okay, that one, that one will let pass. So the, the only way that I, I'm justifying it for me, nobody else has to, you know, subscribe to this justification for this story. But Lost it, it has never been dealing with anything even remotely hard in the sciences. <laughs> like this is the squishiest oh, science ever. And so when it comes to time travel and consciousness, since it's not a physical time travel, maybe they deal with physical time travel later. Maybe they don't. I'm not going to say. <laughs> but... Um, for the consciousness version, I want to say that somehow, cosmically, the consciousness time travel is protected in a different way, and it's masked when it's not necessary, and it's manifested when it's when it is necessary. And so a lot of the time, they don't really remember the events of that day when Desmond left the army and went to Oxford and went to Penny's house, and everybody involved just doesn't really remember that day much except for when they do need to remember it so they don't get rid of their phone number. See, it doesn't bother me that much because I just still feel like, you can say, that was really weird that you did this thing with all the phone number. And he's like, yeah, I was having a what dream about the future. It, I, I was having like a dream. she would say, okay, well, I guess it's not relevant because now we're talking. Yeah. Unless, but, but unless just, she it, remembers about it. I don't know why this go, would define their actions from there. Because how much information does he have other than I was having basically a dream that I was waking up on a freighter. And I knew I needed to get your phone number. But then he would Which shrug is it off crazy and say, I line. guess you don't need to keep your phone number. It's fine. And then she changes the number. No, and then he gets change? lost and it's like, oh, no. I don't think. Why would she change her number? I it's still the have 2000s. A, it's a home line. I still have a, the same cell phone number I had in Michigan. <laughs> I've not lived in Michigan for years. She had a landline I, in 1996. I mean, it is interesting. Uh, I think I'm with Joe on this one. <laughs> I, I think 
I, I mean, I don't know exactly where we are in this conversation. <laughs> this but, is not where it's supposed to be going. Um, <laughs> yeah, we should we should get back to the characters and and what's working. I know, but uh, but I I think that it's entirely. I, I think it's entirely uh, what, plausible <laughs> that that they have this conversation and uh, they get back together and they're like, man, that was kind of weird. But then after he becomes lost, then it, that becomes that conversation that she had it's thought oh, he was drunk yeah. becomes way more significant to her. And she remembers that there's something really important that's going to happen and then that's what drives her when she says i've been looking for you for three years um i I think that it's tied it may be tied into that conversation she She knew that there was something up and again like the and then the the reason he doesn't have much more information to give because we know everything about the island he really doesn't he Mm -hmm. didn't gain a whole lot of new information but you'd think maybe i shouldn't go on this around the world race where i might get stuck on an island <laughs> I don't know if he even knew he was stuck on an island. He was. Oh on yeah, he, he only had helicopter information. He doesn't because, and that's the other. That's right. the other part of it is that when he's in the helicopter and he has the, the he, they go through the turbulence, he loses his mind. Like he doesn't know where he is. He doesn't recognize Said, and so uh, again, I think it's plausible that he could have had the memory all the whole time that he was in the hatch and everything. Well, no, but I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how much of that is with him. Yeah. I don't know. It's confusing. And I don't, I don't know that it holds a, a ton of water. Um, then- regardless of what physicists say about this being the most plausible. <laughs> I mean, I can understand the idea of like that, your consciousness moving through time. Cause it seems like our consciousness is just stuck in, in a, at a fixed point in time and space, but there's no reason. I know that there's no reason uh, physically for that to be the case. Scientifically, uh, I mean, lots of physicists believe that, all of time and space just exist and that we're it's not like the future hasn't happened yet it's the future is there it's just that our consciousness is stuck on a on a line going at a specific velocity into the future that's that's already there so so the idea that your consciousness could somehow become unstuck from this point in time and space and move to some other point in time and space because it's all already there is not uh, implausible uh and so so i get that part but as far as the mechanics of the story, I don't think that it holds up that great. But I don't care about any of that because that payoff is so huge at mm-hmm. the end. And it's so well written and it's so well acted and it's so well edited. Um, oh, yeah. Top, top it's just editing uh, it's on that they, In the commentary, they talk a lot about the editing and like choices they made. So like for a time, they had considered having a sound effect, like a non-diegetic sound effect whenever he was jumping back and forth. So some sort of warm or buzz, mm-hmm. something that like signaled to the viewer. He's just switched. Like they do in every other episode of the whole entire yeah. show. Yeah. Right? When they go back yeah, in they time, do they do that. Like, flash forwards. Uh-huh. But they don't. But they have a, there's a sound that. that yeah, whenever they, that. they do a jump, you know, to mm-hmm. the, to the different timeline, right. they always have a sound effect. They did, they ended up choosing to do nothing. And I think, um, it's impactful. Oh, it, it, yes. And they, and th- they do have other sounds around. Yes. Like they, they, they let a diegetic sounds do the shift. So like he's on the freighter and suddenly you're hearing rain when he jumps to the past because he's standing out in a rainstorm. So there's diegetic sounds that signal to you or something weird just happened, um, without that non-diegetic, you know, mm-hmm. lost sound effect. But I think the ending, with uh, you know, you don't want any other sound to interrupt any of this. <laughs> like yeah, you want to so be able to get into it, just call. like be there with Desmond and Penny. And so I, I think it, 
the, I don't know that it was that last moment, but like even leading into the phone call happening, I don't want to jump the timeline at all. Like I don't want to hear anything that's going to pull me out of this moment. But isn't there, there's music playing when they do that, right? Um, right at the end, I think music starts to play when things resolve. But I, I didn't pay a lot of attention to all of the music in this episode. Yeah. There is um, also just talking about how carefully like they, they thought about like making sure we have the payoff. So our final payoff is him looking at the, or it's, um, Oh, uh, what's the Faraday looking at his journal and seeing mm-hmm. the note about Desmond Hume will be my constant. Yeah. Um, they originally, they shot an ending of, um, Charlotte walking up, one of the other characters walking up with gas masks, one of the other characters from the, the freighter walking up with gas masks saying, you need to put this on to, to Faraday setting up the next episode, like getting things ready for the next episode. And they said, no, we've got to do something with, like it, it, it needs to be about this episode. Not yeah, like this out. is this is the episode. Yes, and even though like if something happens to me, like that's still creating an ambiguity about the future, but it's still very much tied into the the theme of this episode, the constant. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of can you get oh instead of setting up something for for the future, it's it's saying like this idea of constancy is it that's still going to matter, but we're sticking within this episode itself. I don't think it happens again in the entire show, though. Not an episode like this where oh, they need mm-hmm. to reconnect on on two ends of. I don't of think time. So. But it seems like such a great concept to introduce. Mm-hmm. So I just pulled this up to to watch it again. The The music starts as the phone starts ringing. So Desmond's on the boat and he, Saeed gives him the phone. And then you get this sad, like Truman show kind of music <laughs> playing with the, the piano. And then, um, and then as he's standing there holding the phone and listening to it ring, uh, we shift back to 1996, and Sad Desmond is walking away from Penny's house, um, looking kind of sad and confused. And uh, you see behind him, she pokes her head, um, like she. You see her in the window, and then she closes the blinds, and he's really sad. And then, um, and then it. So his consciousness uh, it goes back to him on the boat, and then she picks up the phone, and then it. And then it goes back to him, and then you see him smile in the in, 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 in the nineteen ninety six. In nineteen ninety six, he smiles, so he knows that it worked. Then he knows in nineteen ninety six that the whole thing worked. Mm-hmm. Which probably blows up our our previous theories, but <laughs> <laughs> because because now the like the the circle is complete. He know he knows in 1996. He knows that he that it mm-hmm. worked. But, I, I've but been again, working he, on some, that, he does not have the context. Extra, I've been working on some extra yeah. theories, but I'm not going to get into it. But he doesn't have the context of the future. He just knows <laughs> something worked. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't know the island. Like it's not like he's in the, his 1996 self got fed all the memories of his future self or anything right. like that. But anyway, characters, protagonists. <laughs> well, I, I I mean I love. Desmond on Lost. But this episode doesn't really reveal a whole ton about Desmond on Lost, nor does it reveal a whole lot about Penny. Like we love their love story. Mm-hmm. And, and it is so emotionally satisfying when they get to, you know, when that phone call connects them at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, I think, is more a story about what's happening than about the characters within the story. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's different in that way than than like that episode, The Moth, which is about Charlie and this transformation that Charlie goes through. Um, yeah, this usually is really... they're they're like flashing back or flashing forward to reveal things about our character. Yeah, yeah, to to inform what is motivating our character on the island, or or something to that effect. And in this case, like no, the going back and forth really isn't about Desmond's character. It's 
really just a cool idea and we're going for it. Side note for any new listeners who just picked up this uh, this lost episode, I think we forgot to mention that our producer Andrew jumps in quite often in our discussions. Mm. And uh, that is the third voice that you've been hearing <laughs> during this entire discussion. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 what are we in? An hour yes, into this? I just realized, I don't think we did. Because typically when you first jump in, we always yeah. mention uh, that, you're, that you're coming in for any new listeners. We should just get used to it. <laughs> it's <laughs> going to happen more. Um, can you guys talk about Saeed? Saeed is just, he's great in this episode because mm-hmm. he's just there for the ride, but he's 100% in. Well, like yeah. as soon as like something's wrong with Desmond, he's like, all right, I don't know what's wrong, but if he says there's a way to fix it, I'm going to yeah. repair well, the broken communications. I think, can I say a couple things about Desmond before we jump on to yeah. Saeed? I think that we do see a, a few of the things that we love about Desmond in this episode. And one is um, contrast uh, his version of crazy with Minkowski's version of crazy, right? Like Minkowski goes crazy and it's just full on. I mean, he's in total crazy town right um and he's like restrained um and desmond is really like we see him work on this problem uh in a way that it seems like minkowski just wasn't capable of doing so like i think we see his intelligence um but also even even as he is really confused um he i feel like he um like he recognizes he he's able to read the situation pretty well. And um, like he, he looks at Saeed. There's a point where he looks at Saeed and says, uh, I don't know you, but you seem like you're my friend. And so I need your help here. And Saeed's like, all right, let's do this. And, uh, and I feel like there's something like, that's something unique to Desmond that he would, even in this, um, even in this moment, like this is a really traumatic <laughs> experience for him, and yet he's he's able to maintain uh, something of his connection with Saeed and his ability to trust other humans. And uh, there's goodness in Desmond that uh, I think draws us to him. There's as a, a lot of trust in in Desmond on display, even just in this episode. But I mean, like yeah. trusting Penny that she'll keep the number, trusting Saeed, even though mm-hmm. he. Like, well, trusting Faraday to yeah, go trusting find Faraday Par- on Faraday. both sides. Yeah, in the past. Um, trusting yeah. Widmore for whatever reason, uh-huh. like to give him the correct information. <laughs> but still having a lot of tension with Widmore. Yeah, a lot of tension there. But he's like, but I trust that you're going to play it straight with do, me. I do want to uh, say Henry in Cusick, he does fantastic facial acting uh, in playing like confusion, playing. Uh, playing happy, yeah. playing relieved. Yeah. In it, yeah. Top top notch acting from him in this episode. Mm-hmm. I have this fr- this frozen on a frame, a close up of his face of young Desmond. It is, I mean, you can't see the bald cap. <laughs> it's so good. Can't see the bald cap, <laughs> the skull cap. Can't see the beard. It's amazing. Yeah, well done. Well I mean, and done. I, like when I think about, uh, so oh, just like just his facial acting. Like I'm thinking okay. about him on the helicopter when he first panics and he doesn't mm-hmm. realize where he is. He doesn't know where he is. I'm thinking about him waking up in the past, thinking he just had the craziest dream. I'm yeah. thinking about the relief when he hears Penny's voice. Like there is a lot of emotion that and, he has to they, play, and they use close-ups. Like they yeah. they are showing you his face. They're not not, yeah. not everyone holds up to those close-ups. Yeah, and when it comes to like their facial acting, and also fantastic accent. So, oh, <laughs> well done on the accent. And he's from Peru. He was born in Peru. I want to know Did his story. Did he grow up in Peru? Or 
Did he grow up in England? Scotland. Oh. I don't know. I never know which part's still England. (laughs) How how many countries are in that country at any (laughs) given time? Um... So about Saeed, uh, just one note about, like you said, you wanted to talk about Saeed. Uh, the, uh, when I was listening to the commentary, they mentioned that, um, I think it was the Washington Post did a March Madness bracket of lost characters to decide <laughs> your favorite. Um, and, and they were talking about this, I think before season five. So like uh, for the season four DVD, which was going to come out right before season five. So mm-hmm. in the middle of lost. And they said the two finalists were, uh, Desmond and Saeed were, were, went head to head and then Desmond won, uh, for, for the favorite lost character. And he's not in the first season. No, I, he's introduced <laughs> in season two. Um, but I, I think this is there. You see Jack on the beach briefly, mm-hmm. but he basically has no dialogue, like maybe one line of dialogue. Yeah. Like you, you don't see Kate or Sawyer. Yeah. Sawyer's or not Hurley or Locke. Or, yeah. I mean, at like, certain points, I'm like, I'm not sure. Would you see them at this point? <laughs> yeah. They, I don't, they, I don't know. They get separated and, and off in different yeah, directions at various like, points. Okay, well, some but, characters are dead at this point, but that doesn't mean you're not going to see them. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, one of, I think they said the fewest uh, like main characters in yeah. the episode because it's, it's mostly it's just Desmond and Saeed is there. And, and then you see briefly Jack and Kate, I think on the, on the beach. But no, then, it's uh, Jack and Juliet. Oh, Jack and Juliet. You're right. Okay. I've got some trivia for you on, uh, uh, on Henry Ian. <laughs> okay. So he's born in Trujillo, Peru, to a Peruvian mother and a Scottish father. When he's two, they move to Madrid, Spain, and then to Glasgow before moving to Trinidad and Tobago, where they lived for 10 years. Uh, And there he attended um, uh, school, and then they went back to Scotland at the age of 14. So (laughs) so that was a lot of moving around in the first 14 years. Uh, but here's the best thing. He got his first acting role at the Citizens Theater as an understudy in the Christmas panto playing a polar bear. <laughs> That's especially good for Lost. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great tie-in. So, uh, yeah. He's fluent in uh, English and Spanish. Yeah. Okay. Well. That's an interesting life. Yes. Yeah. But... I want to invite him to my dinner party. <laughs> like the actor or... Or Desmond. <laughs> or Desmond. The actor. Uh, we were going to say Saeed. Uh, just a little bit about him. Because he's he's the only main character that really plays a part in, in this episode. Yeah. And outside I, of Desmond. I think we already identified like what we like like about Saeed that we see in this. Like There's this confident competency about him. Mm-hmm. Like when He's like, I can do that. And But also, just like, I've seen enough crazy stuff that like whatever's going on, if you think this is the solution, might yeah. as well go all in. He's he's largely unfazed. Like he's something's wrong with Desmond, but it does not phase him. But also, he's all in to protect him. Like when they get to uh, the freighter and they land, some of the uh, sailors on the freighter like start to say, "Oh, he's going crazy." And they step towards him, and Saeed steps in between them. Yeah, and Saeed it's, is it's not really bigger. selfless. He's not bigger than these other guys. But I also would one hundred percent trust Saeed because knowing his backstory. Oh yeah, he he'd take them. <laughs> yeah. But and like Saeed is, is showing a lot of selflessness mm-hmm. in this situation. Like Saeed is not in a position yeah. of power, but he's putting himself on the line for Desmond, who it doesn't even recognize him at this point. He's like, no, don't like take it easy. We are going to help my friend through whatever's going on. Um, yeah. And I, I don't remember exactly yeah. like what they've been through that Saeed and Desmond are like what level their friendship, mm-hmm. like what they've been through exactly. but. Said really is committed to protecting this other human. 
Yeah, and I mean, like most of the characters in Lost, we find out there's some demons in Sayid's past mm-hmm. that are darker than the average yeah. humans. And again, that is pretty much par for the course for the, the characters that we see in Lost. <laughs> when we see their backstories, it's usually not like, I was raised in a great home and I went to college and I got the career of my dreams. And then I happened to be on this flight. It's like, what what are you running from that put you on this, this flight that ends up on the mm-hmm. Island of Lost? Um, and yet... There's like there's a reason he was one of the most popular characters because on the island, like like even as like his dark past is very uncomfortable <laughs> with what he did uh, and what we see. I'm leaving it vague in case anyone has never watched Lost is about to go jump it. Um, what we see of him on the island and the person he's trying to be now. Mm-hmm. We love that that version of Saeed that he is, he, you know, the, yeah. the present version of him that yeah. he's, he's become and he's trying to maintain. Yeah, and I think it's a lot of protecting other people. It's a lot of doing things for other people, like using his skills to benefit other people. Mm-hmm. Like he's not he's not making a phone so he can call out. It's for someone else. And how fortunate for Desmond. That he got I mean, if you're going to get Yeah, if you're gonna become unstuck in, in time, or basically if you're ever in any kind of crisis of any sort, to have Saeed as your wingman. Yeah, that's if Jack was great. on that helicopter with him. Out of luck. I mean, if, okay, if, if they crash and there was an injury, Jack's your <laughs> Jack, man. Jack's good. But, <laughs> but I mean, if Sawyer's there, no. you're, you're not going to get a phone call out. You, Sawyer is not going to look out for anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Sawyer. Also, Sawyer's not stepping between it. <laughs> yeah. except, no, except when he does. Yeah, right? Except when he does, because we love Sawyer too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This is, uh, this has been really fun for me. I, revisiting I, I was just full of nostalgia. I watched the last. So to get ready for this, I watched the last two episodes of season three. And then I watched these first episodes of season four. And I was just, I was just like, it, I was back. Well, like, I only watched like, the constant and just like even hearing the, the whoosh at the beginning with just the out of focus loss, like flying by. Mm-hmm. It, it was a palpable, like emotional reaction I had to that. And I have not, I don't think I've revisited the series since the finale. Like I've thought about it, but I haven't gone to rewatch anything. I watched it all during its run. And then heading into the last season, that dinner group of grad students and I, we watched all of the first five seasons on DVD and, and timing it to be able to like finish the fifth season finale wow. as time to see the, the sixth, sixth season, season premiere started, you know, that, that week. Um, so I have seen almost all of it more than once, but it's been a long time since I did. And I just felt, so strongly like oh this is gonna be great as soon as i was like popping in the dvd and uh and you know the oh just so much about the world that they built and the way that they told the story i love it again i know there are people who just don't feel like the payoff was worth the journey i think the journey is so great and i don't mind the payoff the way that some people have issues with the payoff of the end of lost um i think it's a pretty astounding feat of storytelling that they did on mainstream television getting millions of people to watch getting millions of people to talk about um you know literary references and try and connect dots and speculate about what's going to happen to these characters um i i don't know that we're ever going to capture that moment because the media landscape has fractured even more since you know 2000 what was it 2002 to 2008 that this ran like the media landscape is fractured even farther apart um and in terms of when everyone's gonna be consuming the same story and talking about the same story because there's just so many options and so many streaming services and everything's on demand. Like it's just a different landscape than it was then, but they caught lightning in a bottle uh, in terms of being able to create a cultural moment with this, this TV show. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) 
I don't know. That Final I, thoughts. Uh, much to add to this. Yeah, I, 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 it was a lot of fun to go and watch this episode again, and, and to spend you know a, a couple hours watching some of the others. And um, it's I remember thinking at the time, I don't know that anybody's ever done a, a, that ambitious. I mean, I don't know that anybody had ever done something as ambitious as Lost before lost. I mean, it was just, it was just astounding and so complicated. And, uh, to try to keep all of the threads of that story running. I just imagine um, the size of the whiteboards seemed, in the writer's room. Like too good. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then this character and like all the intersections and the, the backstories that we're going to be learning, like the series Bible had to be overwhelming to maintain. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm sure that it's similar to like, if you were in charge of all of the Star Wars canon at this point and trying to keep everything straight or the MCU stuff uh, are, are, are things that I think are maybe similar, but um, I don't know. I, I, I remember at some point reading about like the binders that they had of just notes and story notes to try to keep everything straight. And maybe in the end, maybe it was just too much for them. I don't hate the ending like I know some people do. Um, and I felt uh, I felt some satisfaction with the end. Although even as I'm, I'm like rewatching it now and I'm like, wait a second. None of this stuff gets explained <laughs> by the end of this series. Right. But um, but yeah, it was just it was really fun to watch it, even without all of the the, the Internet forums and, and everything. I was a little behind the times, as is often <laughs> the case with me. Uh, but um but yeah, it's just a, it's a really fun show. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, I, I mean, it holds your attention and you just want to watch more. <laughs> it's so Well, addictive. and even when you get caught up so, in it, like you start to, uh, for a hyper analyzed show, you start to say, well, does this make sense? In the end, I end up not caring <laughs> if, if, if like the mechanics right. of the time travel make sense or not, or if every, you know, mystery that gets introduced at the end gets resolved by, or at the beginning gets resolved by the end, which they don't and the end actually introduces some more (laughs) questions uh but i i end up not really caring about that in terms of my relationship with lost and what i think of the series yeah it's mostly for me about um as like as intellectual as the experience can be um and trying to put together the puzzle uh the the there's an emotional aspect to watching lost like that you know that feeling that you get when you see the when you see the title come up um it's way more about an emotion that you have becoming invested in these characters uh, than it is about any particular what's well, like uh, puzzle solving it's or, like what the, the the ringer summary or discussion about the constant set at the end like you know what this episode shows is it's not you know the puzzle can be great but it's really all about the heart <laughs> that's is, is what's gonna yeah. make this work and yeah those those feelings, uh, the combination of, of solid writing and a really great cast. They, I, I don't know if all these, I don't think all these people were super well known when they were cast on Lost, but they did no. fantastic casting. Um, and a lot of these actors yeah. and actresses elevated to, to the scripts they were given and just really strong, like we said, editing and um, directing. When you get all of those things firing together, it's going to elevate the story that already would have been good by itself, but it just makes you like become like the, the, the emotion of it all is heightened, you know like the good editing of that last scene kicks it all up a notch even though you know there was great writing and acting there you still need that great editing just to really finish the piece yeah i think they do such a good job in lost of um of 
capitalizing on the highs and the lows. And I'm just thinking about, uh, I don't want, I don't want to spoil anything, but there are some really sad moments (laughs) in lost. (laughs) Um, and there are some really scary moments in lost, like legitimately just like a horror show, scary things that happen, I think. Um, and then there are all these beautiful, like inspiring things, uh, and they they're able to to manage all of that. I think pretty well throughout uh, is is something that I really appreciate. I mean, I, I remember there are episodes where I would think I can't watch this anymore because I can't I can't stand watching this. You know, like these people suffering in this way. It's just it's too much for me. And then you get a, a, an episode like the constant. And you're like, how could I not keep watching this? Like, it's just so, uh, it's so gripping. Um, but I feel like the pacing, they're able to balance all of these different emotions and just keep you riding on the wave uh, for, for so long. It's really, uh, it's really something. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, I will just say, this was a show that was hit by that writer's strike in Hollywood in the uh, early 2000s. I think it's season three, just feels a bit off and I think it's largely the writer's strike prevented a lot of work from happening (laughs) that needed to happen for this kind of uh, intricate show. Uh, But I think it sure picked up in season four. (laughs) Um, I, again, just if you haven't watched lost, you're not going to get the full zeitgeist, but I think it's, it would be worth uh, saying this could be one of my binge shows. Um, And uh, I think I'm going to have to re-binge it at some point (laughs) myself. Yeah, it's definitely not. A, it's not a show for no, the little kids. No, 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 <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> You're like, someday I'm going to watch this with my kids. I'm like, I think it's oh, yeah. going to be it's, a it's wild. Not, it's, yeah, even even now that I have a nine year old, I'm not like, ooh, just around the corner. Here we come. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to check out episode number 174, when we talk about Vincent and the Doctor, a great Doctor Who episode with some timey-wimeyness, uh, like they all have in that show uh or episode number 152 when we talked about harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban and i think we got hung up on the mechanics of time travel in that episode as well <laughs> uh you can suggest uh, stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com we're also on twitter you can follow at protagonist pod at todd hey mac at jay Dorowski, and our producer andrew is at dis minute and our facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast we have really good conversations there and we would love for you to stop by and say hello if you would like to support the show financially you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist thank you again for listening and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story so long so long Is that, are we good? So back on the beach, Jack, uh, who's in charge right? of yeah. Oh. Okay. Are you back? Oh, that now it's, smoothing it's, it. It's, it was yeah, it's like a bit better. I could hear every few words and I knew basically what we were describing because I just watched the episode and the okay. episode with commentary, <laughs> but <laughs> it was so choppy on our end. But now it's definitely smoothed out.
Okay. 